Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Facebook and Instagram, they've put a lot of effort into making an experience where you're not browbeating a person with your ad, maybe is the best way to put it. So they're very against, say, negative information in your ads. Things like, hey, asking a question, are you overweight or are you tired or are you fill in the blank? That can create a negative experience for someone who's on their feed saying, oh, yeah, A, why do they think I am this way? <laughs> and B, you know, creating those thoughts versus to run really successful and compliant ad copy, you want to focus on the the positives of whatever you're selling of, hey, here's a way to get more leads for your business, or hey, here's you know a great product, check it out, and really put that optimism and um, positive vibes into the, uh, into the world. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with the author of Seriously Playful Creativity, Dr. Catherine Lloyd, and with LinkedIn expert Alan Melko-Moore, then do go check them out. But stay here, listen to today's conversation first. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, John Horn who is the CEO of Stub Group. John has been working in marketing for over a decade. He was the first employee at Stub Group, which was started back in 2012 and has helped grow the business to become a premier Google partner ranked in the top 1% of all Google partners worldwide and trusted partner used by companies around the globe to manage their advertising across Google, Facebook, Amazon, and more. John is currently the CEO at Stub Group. In our conversation today, John talked to me about why it's important to start by deeply understanding your target audience. We talked about ways to customize adverts to different audiences, and John explained the best way of using analytics and tracking to refine and inform your advertising strategy. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from John Horn. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Fort Worth in Texas, John Horn, who's the CEO of Stub Group a digital advertising agency and a premier Google partner ranked in the top 1% of Google partners worldwide. 
Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, John. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Jürgen, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Now, your motto at Stub Group is online advertising made profitable, and um, I like that because it's kind of focused on what really works. Um, but before we start talking about all things online advertising and how that works into the business strategy, what's the impact you're making in the world, John? The impact I like to think that I'm making is helping businesses honestly put food on the table for their employees and get their products and services out to people who need them. Um, because we work as an agency, we're able to work with all kinds of different businesses and see them grow and succeed through the work we're doing from them. And that's where I get my satisfaction and fulfillment from. Mm, great. And I like that you said, you know, the businesses help their clients achieve something, but also, you know, they put food on the table for their employees. And, and I like to think of also the lifestyle that they enable for their clients as well as their employees. So yeah, that's, that's really good to think of it in those terms. And uh, it really highlights that we do all have an impact, right? Absolutely. Uh, nothing that we do does not impact others, whether, whether for good or ill. Yeah. Now, my understanding is you were the first employee that the founders of Stub Group uh, hired. That's right. Yes. Back, back in the day, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, just, just kicking off here at Stub Group, the, uh, the founders saw a need in the digital advertising space and said, hey, let's, let's create a company to fill that need and work with clients and help them successfully steward their ad spend that they're giving to these platforms like Google and Facebook and so forth. And they brought brought me on as well the first primary employee to help out with that, and it's been a it's been a fantastic, fun journey with with many roller coaster uh, twists and turns along the way. <laughs> yeah, now it's it's been ten years, and you've grown to a team of around twenty. So, how how have you used paid advertising to help grow your business, and and what are some of the lessons you've learned from your own journey? Yeah, I I love to tell clients or leads we're speaking with that we eat our own dog food because really we've been running our own Google ads campaigns for ourselves as an agency since pretty much the beginning. And many of the clients that we work with, we interact with because they're looking for what we do. They're looking for an advertising agency or Google ads expert, Facebook ads expert, those types of things. And we're able to present ourselves as a solution, you know, get them onto our website, get them seeing our case studies, more information about how we've helped other businesses like them. And then get that conversation started. So that's that's always something I would recommend for any business that's that's looking to work with a PPC agency um, or really any kind of, of marketing agency is ask them, well, how do you get your own clients? <laughs> and if they haven't figured out how to use whatever <laughs> channel they're peddling for themselves, then that makes me concerned that they might not be as expert as they're claiming to be for their own client. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's the textbook experts and there's the people that are actually in the trenches doing it for their own business and and succeeding because I think it's important. You know, the the first. I mean, I'm I'm imagining that in those first days, you um, one of the most powerful case studies would have been your own success story. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about online advertising and you mentioned google and facebook but there's also there's amazon and there's uh, instagram what else does um, i think twitter may do advertising pinterest certainly does snapchat 
everybody's got their got their finger in that pie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you've got uh, Google and Facebook, which I always call it Facebook, but Facebook, Instagram, basically the same, uh, you know, same mm. platform on the advertising side. Those are the big ones. And then Microsoft advertising with the Bing search engine is also a big one. Got, like you said, Amazon, Pinterest. You've got new ones like TikTok, which are uh, have mm. taken the world by storm. So lot, lots of ways to connect online with uh, potential customers. Yeah. Now, what's tell us a little bit about best practice in a business sense because, I mean, as someone that is a user of these platforms and sees a lot of advertising i mean there's 99 percent of it is annoying it interrupts what i'm doing it's irrelevant to me and it's it's um you know somebody that believes in making marketing human it's kind of trying to manipulate me into buying something that i don't really need so what what are the best practices to avoid that and stand out from that in a way that it's genuine. You know, every now and then I have an experience where, ah, oh, actually I am interested in that. I'm, I've been looking at things like this. And, and of course, some of the um, platforms, Google and Facebook in particular, have means of figuring out their visitors' behavior and then serving them up relevant stuff. So sometimes I have that experience, but it's, it's very rare. It's kind of 1%. That's a, yeah, it's an excellent question. And, now, our goal is always to be in that relevant space for two reasons. One, yeah, we don't want to annoy people with our ads. But two, the only way you run profitable ads is by reaching the people who actually are interested in what you're selling and have that need and that pain point. So the way that we think about it is being as precise and specific with our targeting as possible. One of the beauties on the Google side, for example, is that people are telling us what they're looking for right now. If we're running, say, Google ads on the Google search engine, which is a massive part of things or Google shopping as well. So if I know that someone is looking for, let's say, a Google ads advertising agency, just using ourselves as an example. Well, I know that by serving them an ad saying, Hey, we are a Google ads advertising agency. Let's talk about how we can help you. I'm incredibly relevant to exactly what they're looking for right now. And that's not an annoying interaction. I'm actually solving a need they're searching for. So on the Google side, it's and and other search engines as well. It's it's very easy to be relevant because we know what they're looking for. On say Facebook or Instagram, you don't have that search aspect as much because people are browsing their newsfeed, looking at updates from friends or funny cat videos or whatever, whatever their particular feed looks like. And so there again, it's it's really trying to use the the targeting options that are provided by those platforms to deliver relevant, interesting information that we think is actually something that would be of interest to them to the point where hopefully they're going to click through and purchase whatever product or service we're offering. And there's plenty of ways to, to do that. Um, remarketing or probably targeting as well is one of the most kind of obvious low hanging fruits where if someone's already been to your website, they've expressed interest in the product or service that you're selling. And then you want, if they haven't you know, taken the action on your website, you want them to take whether that's placing a purchase or filling out a form, making a phone call then you want to remind them, not in a creepy way, but a nice way of, hey, you know, come back. We're, we're still here. Um, maybe offer a, a discount or some incentive to get them to re-engage with you. So that's kind of the, the lowest hanging fruit. But then beyond that, because there are so many targeting options in those platforms, because they do know so much about you, you're able to try and, and, and give very relevant content. But again, in a compliant way and just a, 
an ethical way. So Facebook and Instagram, they've put a lot of effort into making an experience where you're not browbeating the person with your ad, maybe is the best way to put it. So they're very against, say, negative information in your ad. Mm. Things like, hey, asking a question, are you overweight or are you tired or are you mm. fill in the blank? That could create a negative experience for someone who's on their feed saying, oh, yeah, yeah. A, why do they think I am this way? <laughs> and yeah. B, you know, creating those thoughts versus to run really successful and compliant ad copy, you want to focus on the, the positives of whatever you're selling of, hey, here's a way to get more leads for your business or, hey, here's, you know, a great product. Check it out and really put that optimism and um, positive vibes into the, uh, into mm. the world. Mm. All right. One, one of the ones I see quite often and it kind of parallels with something you've mentioned there is is for fitness, home fitness equipment. Now, I don't know whether they know that I'm health is one of my most important values and and um, maybe that's why it's served up. But yeah, that that's kind of served up in a way. It's not served up because I have been a little bit uh, casual about my my exercise routines over the winter i don't like the cold so much so I, they're not serving it up in a way that you know are you feeling unfit are you um feeling guilty about not exercising as regularly as you should be which you know would make me feel really bad and, and feel guilty because that's true and yet um yeah what what they're presenting is really um, mostly along the lines of hey here's a really good way to do exercise in in a short frame of time at home, you know, and, and use our equipment. And so that's parallels what what you said there about not making people feel negative about themselves. Exactly. Yeah, and in many ways, it's been an evolution too of those platforms where you used to see a lot of those very negative ads because they can be effective too if you make someone feel bad. And then you get them into your funnel to sell you something. You know, you can you can make a lot of money out of that. So Facebook and Instagram and some of the other platforms have put a lot of thought and effort into structuring policies to move advertisers away from those types of ads. Hmm. So it sounds like the first step in in running a good campaign is really getting clear about who your target audience is and and what it is that they need and where that intersects with what you have that can help them. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever we start working with a client, we have a lot of conversations with them about understanding who is their target audience? Um, what are their pain points? What are their needs? Which of those pain points is our client solving with their service or their product? And, you know, where are those people in the target audience? Where are they spending their time? Where are they going to for solutions? And then customizing our advertising strategy for a client based upon those things to most effectively reach those people with the right messaging at the right time without wasting a client's money on the wrong people at the wrong time. Mm. Yeah, that's, and that's, I think good marketing really starts there. And, and so the, um, I really like that. That's, um, the way you start your programs, I think that probably helps those ads to stand out. And they're probably then in that 1% that I see um, because they're serving me up things that I may be interested in and and where I am. So they know where I hang out. Mm. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's been a big part too of the conversations recently about things like Apple's updates with the iOS 14 update, where they are making it more difficult to track user behavior across platforms and identifying those things. And so there, you've got the two, the two competing um, sides where you've got the privacy oriented side saying, Hey, this is awesome. We shouldn't be tracked. We don't, you know, we don't want big tech or advertisers knowing what we do. And then you've got the other side of that coin where they're saying, well, advertising, you know, that those dollars really is what funds the free access to these platforms and the internet, everything people are engaging with. And it's by being able to provide very relevant and actually useful, interesting ads to people based upon tracking their behavior, that it's a better experience for those people online. And, you know, each side has great, great arguments. Um, there's usually uh, usually somewhere in the middle <laughs> is where where the accuracy lies, but that's been a big uh, a big topic for a long time and, and still right now for really all the big players. Yeah. Well, it's kind of one of those things where you know if everyone did what we were talking about a few moments ago, getting really clear on who their target audience is and how they can help, what their needs are, what their uh, aspirations are, how they can help them achieve some of those needs and aspirations and only serve up those advertisements, then, you know, the privacy question is probably less less of a concern because people are just getting that good information. But it's because of that, you know, there's this 99% of stuff that's just annoying and irrelevant. And, and, and you know that a lot of that comes from people reselling your information somewhere. Um, that's Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right there. Hmm. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I'm really interested in. So let's say you have a, a, you're really clear about who the target audience is, where they hang out, what their needs are, how you might be able to help them. You write some advertisements that says, "Hey, you know, if you're looking to do X, I've got your ideal solution. Go here and find out more." What are the best practices in terms of capturing attention, first of all, and, you know, the traditional AIDA attention, interest, desire, and, and then getting the action. So what's the action that works best out of those advertisements? Yeah, I'm going to say it depends, um, which I'll probably say a lot during this conversation, yeah. but really it's a matter of of looking at the specific client and obviously what, what they sell, what, what pinpoints the answer. So for example, one big thing we'll look at is, are they selling something that people are actively searching for right now? Or is it maybe a new service or a new product or idea that people don't know to search for yet? And that's very much going to dictate what platforms we use for the client and what our messaging is. So if it's a client, let's say they sell umbrellas as an example. Well, people are looking for umbrellas online. Um, so we can run campaigns on Google, set targeting people who are looking for umbrellas and sell umbrellas. Now, it's a very saturated market. I'm not recommending that you go out and start a new umbrella company right now. But, you know, as an example, people know to look for that. But if you've invented some new, let's say, some new fitness product that people aren't aware of, don't know exists, well, they're not searching for it on Google. So it's not going to do us any good to run ads targeting those keywords because nobody knows to look for it. Instead, we want to identify people who we think are interested in fitness, for example, based upon their activity and the targeting options on, let's say, Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or wherever, and then show them messaging, creating awareness of that product or of that brand, saying, hey, here's 
here's what exists. Here's what this product solves. Here's why it's awesome. And then you create that interest, hopefully get them onto your website to learn more about what's going on, get them into your funnels. Maybe you have, you know, an email list to, to feed them more information, or maybe you're just trying to get them to, to make a sale directly through the website. There's, there's many different ways to, to go about it, but you want to figure out where people are in that, in that funnel of do they know to search for what you do? And if not, how can you reach them cost effectively to make them aware of things and then nurture them throughout that process all the way through even you know, having recurring customers and saying, okay, hey, we know these people have purchased from us in the past. They've liked our Facebook page, that kind of thing. Let's, let's keep engaged with them and tell them about, you know, the latest iteration of the product we come out with or ancillary services that might be helpful to them because we know they have these interests and really trying to maximize both your value to your customers as well as the lifetime value that you can get from those customers. Hmm. Okay, so how important is it then to take people from the advertisement into your own ecosystem? You know, you mentioned your email list or your website. How important is that? And once you have them in that ecosystem, what role does the advertising play for those people? Obviously, you know, new people you still can only reach through advertising, but how does does it change your advertising strategy after you start to build up this list in your own ecosystem? Definitely. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of value into getting them into into your ecosystem, like you said, that that first party data where you can then reach out to them without having to rely on any other platform like Google or Facebook. So whether it's an email address or a phone number, having that direct content or contact is incredibly helpful. And then you do absolutely want to customize the advertising that you're doing to those people based upon having that contact information. It doesn't mean that you necessarily don't want to still advertise to them. Uh, so let's take as an example, let's say you're giving away free content on your website in exchange for someone for signing up for your email list. And then you're hoping to you know, keep providing them content and uh, eventually sell them a course or a product or whatever. Well, it's awesome that you've got that email address and you definitely want to be sending those emails out, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a way, in a frequency that's respectful of their time, obviously not, not spamming them. Hmm. But at the same time, a lot of people, they might not look at those emails, read those emails, engage with those emails, but you know that they've engaged with you sufficiently to at least know who you are and to have enough trust or interest in your brand to have given you their email address. So what I would do, for example, let's say if we're doing a Facebook campaign, is I would take a list of those people who are on the email list and I would craft different content or messaging to them, knowing that they already know who we are and maybe even knowing, hey, they signed up for this particular list or they came into for this particular pain point, and then we can craft ad copy to them that specifically talks about what we know they're interested in and is very different than the more prospecting ad copy we might use for people who have not yet engaged with us and who need to be educated upon who we are before we really even get to the next step. And you can do that through the whole the whole process of you know the funnel of someone being in your ecosystem before they place a purchase. And then again, even after they place a purchase, you know, looking to see, okay, well, let's say you sell a seasonal product. Um, let's say, you know, Valentine's Day is big for you. Well, when you get around to next Valentine's Day, you want to take all the people who purchased from you last Valentine's Day, you definitely want to email them um, your specials and promotions and whatnot. But you should also be serving them ads through Facebook or Instagram or a good platform because you know that they're 
very likely to potentially purchase from you again because they've already created that that trust with you a and express that interest b and you know the previous season hmm. so how, how do you go about that is that where the facebook pixel comes in or is that um the target the targeted lists i can't remember the exact term yeah for using say email addresses and phone numbers you can do that um, through custom audiences that you would upload hmm. to facebook for Facebook and Instagram. There's also a similar tool called Customer Match that Google offers. And essentially you're, you're uploading that, that first party data that you have, and then it's, you know, it's, it's secured, hashed by Facebook, and then they match that up to user profiles in their platform and let you target people who match that list. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm imagining also that if you advertise in that way, that it's a much smaller audience and so the cost per click the cost of the advertising is is going to be much lower, and hence, um, particularly in in this example that we're talking about, where you already have a relationship, there's already trust built. Um, people have presumably had a really good experience. So if it's a repeat purchase, it's oh yeah, that's right, I bought from them last year. That's a no-brainer. Um, or if it's um, a, a different product, but the experience has been great, and they do want that product, then it's it's almost an easy sell as well. Exactly. It's going to be, I would much rather reach 500 people who have purchased from this in the past. I know we had that connection than 50,000 people who are just, you know, cold prospects that match our targeting. And it's going to be way cheaper to reach those 500 people than those 50,000 people. Hmm. Okay. Another example I can think of because uh, one of my clients runs training courses that uh sequential so that there's you know there's a level one program and then there's a level two program and they're accredited courses so that um it's for the level two program the the next higher level um, everybody that's done level one whether they did it with her or not are potential leads so obviously the people that did level one with her would have that relationship would know how great the experience was and so for them if they want to do the next level it's it's a pretty easy decision who they go with but then there are there's another audience that have done level one somewhere looking to do level two that may be still shopping around who who will they do it with absolutely uh, one one gentleman who i love seeing what he does in that kind of sequential marketing space is john loomer who is i'd say one of the leading experts in the facebook advertising side of things i saw an example from him uh yesterday i was i was scrolling through facebook and he's got this ad saying hey you've it's an experiment you've read six plus pages on my website so i know you're super interested you know here's here's more information that kind of thing and it's a great fit for me because you know i I love the marketing side of things. I get how it works. It's not creepy to me to know that he knows this because I understand the technology. Obviously, some random person, if they saw that, they'd probably be creeped out. But um, but that's not his target audience. That's not who's already you know, visited six pages on his website. So there's there's a lot of really fun and uh, impactful things you can do with using the say the Facebook pixel and sequences to to hit people when they're ready to take that next step in in your sequential order course course history or, or order funnel or whatever that may be hmm. now there's a lot of um technical stuff in the background of what we've been talking about so far so um tell us about you know best practices in terms of using the analytics tools that are available on these platforms and tracking 
things in a way that informs some of this um, strategy and and yeah and and gives guidance as to what's likely to work and and also when you're running experiments of you know did it work or what are the results and what can I learn from that? Absolutely, yeah, tracking is something that we spend a lot of time on as an agency, helping our clients get set up and troubleshoot and fix when it breaks because. At its core, if we don't have accurate tracking data, we don't know if we're doing well or not. Or even if we are doing well and the client says, yeah, we're making lots of money. If we don't know which aspects of our marketing are driving that, then we can't do better and invest more money where it's working well or take money from what's not working well. So A, we want to track as much as we can. Definitely we'll use the tracking provided by the platforms that we're using. So Google Ads, if we're using that, we're going to use Google Ads conversion tracking code. If we're using Facebook, we'll use the fa Facebook pixel, and so forth and so on. In addition to that, um, we're always encourage our clients to use Google Analytics on their websites, which gives a more comprehensive look at how people are reaching the website and then engaging with the website. And we want to look at things such as, okay, what, what pages are they engaging with? Um, or if we're selling products or services through the website, what does that funnel look like? Where are they dropping off? Are they dropping off on the cart page and checkout page? You know, what are our percentages and rates? And that can be very helpful to identify even just technical obstacles to say, Oh, Hey, on this browser, <laughs> the website doesn't load properly. Let's, let's mm -hmm. fix that. So we do a lot of that. Um, also from time to time, it can be really really valuable for a client to use uh, heat mapping software such as uh, Lucky Orange or Hotjar to even more visually see, okay, where are people clicking on my website? How are they scrolling through pages? You can watch actual sessions to see mm. where people went with their mouse. And that can be very revealing because as a business owner or someone in charge of a website, you know all the information about your business. You know where it is. It all makes complete sense. Like, oh, yeah, if you have that question, you go there. If you have that question, you go there. Well, yeah. someone brand new to the website, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and so you might say, oh, they're lost. They're wandering all over the place. We need to put this answer right here. We need to move these navigation features around. And that can be very, uh, very revealing. Hmm. Yeah, those those uh, heat map tracking uh, things in, in the website are pretty amazing. I've had a bit of a play with those, but then at some point I decided that wasn't something that I wanted to spend a lot of time learning. It really re does require an expert to understand it, but yes, it seemed like an amazing tool. And you're right, yeah. the, um, the idea of what do other people think of my website uh, is, is something that I really can't can't answer so looking at um, behavior can give you a lot of insights yeah yeah that's why we find it helpful to even when when a company will partner with us and have us manage their advertising for them is we're also bringing a fresh perspective even to mm. their website and their messaging and their brand and so a big part of what we do is not just building campaigns and targeting ads for them but also thinking through strategically okay where are we sending people on their website what information is the client presenting to them and recommending to the client, hey, let's let's do this differently, or let's put this, you know, let's create a landing page that specifically answers this question, or hey, uh, you don't have your phone number anywhere on the website, and people have questions because you're selling a two thousand dollar product, you know, let's <laughs> let's put this front and center so people can reach out to you. Things like that have a massive impact on on the success of any marketing campaign. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a really important point you made there, and um, I think. That you know, we've talked a little bit about bringing people into your own ecosystem, but the idea that you know there's an ad 
that leads directly to a sale um, may work for the umbrella example uh, because it's a commodity and there's not a lot of research that people might put into um, the umbrella if they see the advertisement hey that looks cool it's it's certainly waterproof it i love the color um, decisions made whereas if like you say if it's a two thousand or a five thousand or a hundred thousand dollar product because i'm sure that you know there, there are a hundred thousand dollar products that get advertised it's not that simple right and so where you send people to after the advertisement and what happens what's the journey that they go through until they finally make a decision yes or no um, is really important so um yeah i i think you know a lot of um a lot of advertisements i've seen that i'm interested in um, and i've clicked on i've sort of gotten onto a landing page or something that kind of there's a disconnect you know i had had an expectation when i see the advertisement and that expectation isn't met at that first step where the advertisement takes me to and as a result typically i say no that's not what i want and i'm sure there's there's a lot of that happens you know where it, it may actually have been something that i want it's just that disconnect kind of uh, made me uncertain and so i left is that one of the most common mistakes that people make with their online advertising yes i i see that happen all the time um and often it's because of just lack of thought, not thinking through things, or sometimes it's literally, oh, we got the wrong URLs in our campaign. We're sending traffic to the wrong place or, you know, any, any combination of, of either lack of thoughts or, or action sticks. But yeah, it's, it's so important that initial ad sets the tone for what people are expecting to see on the page they get to. And you want to immediately, um, reinforce the tone that you set in the ad and the expectation you've created in your headline, in your image, in your sub headline saying, yep, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what you came here to see. This is what we've got. And then of course you can explain in more detail all the nuances of whatever it is that you're selling and, and go into all the, uh, all the fun details, but you've got to, you've got to match that, that tone because people, people click that back button very, very quickly. Same thing, even if a website just loads too slowly. That's yeah. another thing that we always look at with our clients is you know, Google's got all kinds of data about how quickly people will leave a website if it's not loading. Hmm. And we really don't want to be spending money to get people to click to an ad and then lose that potential sale because the website, you know, took three seconds to load when it should have taken one second. So even it's, even it's a little stuff and the big stuff that taken together result in successful marketing. Hmm. So it is indeed a whole ecosystem, isn't it? And I think what I often see happening um, when people, I mean, I'm not an ads expert, but I just uh, know from my own experience in clicking through ads and and also thinking through the marketing journeys that we build around marketing programs. You know, if you send out or if you have a lead magnet, for example, and in the first email that goes out is kind of inconsistent with that whole message you've lost people straight away and it's it's the same kind of thing in parallel isn't it you've got to have um i like to kind of work backwards from there saying well what's the end result well the end result usually is i want to sell this particular product or service and then what's the journey to get there and is is the previous step consistent with so 
you know, what's the previous step to them making the purchase decision? Well, is is that step consistent and then just work the way back? And I see that so often when I click through an advertisement where um, I am interested and I thought, hmm, no. And yeah, it might be a simple. Actually, sometimes I've had that thought. I think they've got the wrong URL here. They've put the wrong URL. So and, you know, and I'm not sure whether, you know, I think it's, I think it's almost like they've put the wrong URL in there, but maybe that's indeed happened. But sometimes the message is just so inconsistent where they take you to. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Hmm. So what are some of the other common mistakes that people make with their advertising and, and when they're kind of making that decision about how to take people through their marketing journey? Oh, so many. <laughs> I would I would say that that targeting aspect is where I see many many businesses go wrong, and sometimes it's just not understanding just technically how the advertising platforms work. Uh, especially because taking Google and Facebook again as an example, they they tout that they can be a great DIY platform, so a business owner can just go you know create a campaign in five minutes and get off to the races. And, and yes, technically that's true. You can absolutely create a campaign within five minutes and start getting traffic. And you know what? It, it's possible that that could work and make you a lot of money, but it is so easy to get it wrong or to waste an incredible amount of, of money on the platforms because you just don't understand how they work and you don't understand the difference between, say, a broad match keyword or an exact match keyword. Well, that can mean the difference between success and failure for a marketing campaign. Um, and business owners getting into it just, just don't, don't get how that works often. So I would say making mistakes on, on the targeting side and just wasting money showing ads to the wrong people or showing the wrong ads to the wrong people. That's a big mistake. Um, and then also going back to a conversation about tracking, not tracking. That's mm -hmm. a massive mistake that we see or just not tracking even comprehensively. So maybe they've got, uh, Google Analytics on their website. So they see information about, form submissions or orders, but let's say they also get a lot of phone calls through their, their website. Well, what we do for our clients is we also do call tracking. So we can say, okay, here's how many calls you're getting. Here's where they're coming from. You know, here's which ones are converting. These are the keywords and ads that are driving those, those sales. And so we can add a whole different part of the picture that they've been missing out on previously because they know they're getting calls, but they don't know how to get more of those good calls by focusing on the aspects of the marketing that is driving those calls. Um, so helping you know, get that, that comprehensive conversion tracking in place and then making informed decisions upon it is, is a really big part of, of how we work with our clients. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's clearly the whole online advertising and you, know, you mentioned earlier about all the different platforms that offer it and you, know, you can... I mean, I get confused just by oh, which which platform should I advertise on? And you know, the obvious answer is, well, where are your clients? Um, where where are the dream clients? But there's a whole lot of nuances to that, of course. Then as to the mechanics of it, and and the actual mechanics of making it successful, keeping track of it, um, understanding from the data that you get back what's working and what's not working so that you can double down on what is working and maybe cut the cost of what's not working and spend that on the things that are working. Exactly. Hmm. Yes. And I'd say another common mistake I see too is just um, not enough patience. 
which I, I understand uh, as you know, running a business myself. I mean, you, you want results fast. You want to see money that you're spending uh, quickly coming back to your bottom line. But you also have to recognize it takes time to generate data, to look for patterns and trends and start to make optimizations based upon that. So we're always having that conversation with our clients of, hey, we, we, we got to let the data dictate our decisions. But in order to do that, we need time to collect that data. And, um, you know, it's, it's not magical results overnight. We, we don't promise that. And that's just not how, not how marketing works. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, a trend in the online marketing world that people have this expectation, whether it's advertising or whether it's marketing or email newsletter. I've put up a website and it's got an e-commerce and I've put my products in there and that was yesterday and I haven't got any sales yet. What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I have had that conversation with clients. Yep, it's, it's a fun one. Um, yeah. You've got, there's a lot of education too in the marketplace. You know, there's lots of uh, drop ship classes. I'll, I'll call that one out where like, hey, you know, set up your drop ship e-commerce website and you'll be a millionaire within seven days. <laughs> nope, not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously those... Those kind of services are attractive from the point of view of, hey, everything's done for you at the back end. But then, you know, how do you get the word out? How do you get customers in? So, you know, advertising could potentially be one way you could do that. But again, you know, that now we come back to what we've been talking about here and that the, there's a lot of things you, that can go wrong if you do it yourself. And it, even if you do it well, whether, you know, you learn how to do it well obviously takes time, but then, when you have somebody that can do it well through an agency or whether you've learned, learned it yourself, it's still going to take time to get to the point of, okay, I can see what's working and I'll do more of that and what's not working will drop and now we're starting to see results. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Well, um, obviously we could go on talking for ages about advertising because there's a lot to it, but we will certainly leave people to contact you and find out more about more detail. I think it's a good time now though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of every guest. Um, the idea being that based on your experience in business that you give the listener something to take away that prompts some immediate action that makes a difference today. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Take some, some time to step away from the busy work and the grind to actually look at your business holistically and your market holistically. And I, I say this to myself as much as to <laughs> anyone because, you know, it's so easy to get sucked into the fires and even the opportunities of the day to day and not, not take that time to, to really think strategically and in, in big picture and say, where do I want to be five years and 10 years from now? So carving out that space, getting away from those distractions and then having, having that thought process. Yeah, I laugh because, um, as you said that, you could be you could be advising me, <laughs> and it's um, I've I've started very consciously blocking out my Mondays and my Fridays, although I still will schedule some things in there. But as a rule, I'll I'll block them out to do things that involve strategic work, and sometimes that means I take half a day to just go out for a bike ride or something like that, which is really switching off and usually i come back from that with a bunch of ideas um, and then i've just got to filter those ideas because uh, often i end up with too many ideas and uh, it's too distracting to try and chase them all 
Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's that's where I aspire to be. I, I don't pretend to have it figured out, but <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Ask questions. Um, ask questions of advisors in the business space, uh, investors I work with in the company, and other business people I respect, and also just of the clients and the leads that we're working with. Of okay, well, what what are your problems? What are your pain points? And that's how we can come up with ways to 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 create solutions to solve those things and to provide value. In our case, whether that be you know figuring out new marketing platforms to run for them or figuring out just you know the, how do we how do we solve that problem of of sales or marketing and how can we come alongside of them to to be a solution? So ask and uh, and you will receive. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love that. Uh, and um... I'm just trying to think of the book title. Um, is it Questions Are the Answer? Um, oh, that sure. sounds familiar. Yes, I have not read that uh, one. Though. Ryan Levick, I think. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but yeah, I've been reading lots of books recently. So, <laughs> But I think, yeah, I think the title is Questions Are the Answers and the, the basic core principle is what you've just outlined. All right, do you have a favorite resource to use most often? Favorite resource. I will actually say that tracking my time is something mm-hmm. that has been incredibly helpful. And this is something that we, we put an emphasis on for all of our team members at Stud Group. Everyone tracks their time to see where are we spending it, what clients are we working on, what types of categories of work are we spending that time on. Because it's so easy to have a wrong perspective on where we spend our time. Yeah, you know, I can I can think or feel like I'm spending so much time on this because maybe it's taking up a bunch of my mental space or 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 whatever, but then I look at the numbers and realize, oh, actually no, that's not where I'm spending my time. I'm spending my time over here. And you need to sit back and say, okay, what's what's driving value for the company and for me personally? And is that commensurate with where I'm spending that time? And if not, well let's look at a reallocation of resources and and figure out how I can um, reallocate that time to be more more valuable to the company. So I, I use a very simple. It's called Harvest. Is the name of the time okay, tracker yeah. we use. There's all kinds of different options out there, but it's super easy, straightforward, and I've been doing it for years. Hmm. Yeah, it's it always amazes me. I, I do that from time to time. I do it for a few weeks and then stop again because it does require a fair bit of data collection. And and sometimes I think hmm, there's a lot of time going into actually inputting the data. Um, but but to do it for sort of a period of time just to it's kind of like an audit um is really enlightening i'm I'm always amazed and like you say you know you sort of have this gut feel of yeah i'm spending all my time on these things that add the most value but when you really analyze it that's they might be taking up a lot of your mental space but the actual time and work you're doing um, are actually in other areas. Exactly. Yeah. All right. What's the best way to keep a client on track? It's it's going to be a cliche answer, but communication is, <laughs> is so important, and um, making sure that they understand what's what's going on, what you're working on, what your deliverables are, what your timeline looks like. Also, pushing back on them if they're trying to increase your scope of work or you know, change what those deliverables are that you've agreed to. And just having that, that clear line of communication, our ideal clients that we work with are ones where we can, we can really partner with them truly. And they know we're trying to do the best by them. They're trying to help us do the best for them. 
and we just have that that direct communication back and forth and as long as those those lines are open you can avoid many of the the pitfalls that you fall into when you you stop keeping them updated or asking them questions or making sure that you understand where their head is at mm. and and i'm guessing from what you had said earlier that a lot of that communication also is setting the expectations up front and educating them on here's what to expect here's here's how this works here's what we're going to be doing this is not going to be an overnight success and we're going to need a little bit of time to get the data that that will inform our strategy absolutely yeah our, our nightmare scenario is if if our sales team is is saying oh yeah sure we can do all of this okay. and it'll be take take a week or whatever uh, no, we got to set those expectations up front, and, and our sales team is very good at at you know even weeding out prospects who want to work with us. And if their expectations are just too ridiculous, we say, you know what, it's not it's not going to be worth the headache. They're not going to be with us long term mm. because they don't have the patience to you know be a good partner. Let's not even go down this road to begin with. Mm. All right. Finally, for the buzz, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I would say. I mean, there's there's many things that you could do to try and create differentiation, but honestly, if you just do what you say you're going to do, you treat people with respect, and you you know come from a place of 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 transparency and honesty and trying to do what's right, you have already differentiated yourself from a startlingly high percentage of the people that you're competing mm. with. So just 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 do what you say you're going to do, and and you've already got a big leg up. Whether yeah. that's you know it's working with a lead or a client or a team member, whatever. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad in one way um, that the bar is that low, but on the other hand, um, it means that hey, you don't need to try so hard to differentiate yourself. Just do some of the fundamentals, um, and they're easy to do. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's it like like you said. It's sad the bar is so low, but it's also it should be a kick in the pants for all of us to say, "Hey, we can't if we can't hit that bar. <laughs> what's wrong with us?" That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, John. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, about the Stub Group, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, our our website would be the best place. That's stubgroup.com. You can check out information about what we do, case studies, things that we've done for other other businesses, and um, all the ways to get in, in contact with us through there. We'd love to to chat. We've got businesses reaching out all the time, looking for. We do a free evaluation of whatever advertising they may be doing or maybe thinking about doing, so we can chat through those those details with you and see if there's a way we can help you grow as a business. Hmm. All right. Thanks, and we'll post that. Link in the show notes, of course, so people can click straight through. So do you have some parting advice for our listener today, John? Parting advice. I'm just going to go back to that advice of take some time, step away from the business, mm. get, get away from the busy work for a little bit, and think about where can you most effectively spend your time over the next month, six months, and a year to grow your business for the next five to ten years. Mm. Right. I love it. All right, and finally, John, who else should I get on the show and why? You know, I was thinking thinking about that because I knew you were going to ask me. Um, I've got uh, a guy I've worked with for many years. He uh, he runs kind of a, another sister brand in the marketing space. Uh, his name is Nathan Barnes, and um, he's been working with clients and businesses and marketing and platforms for a long time. I think he could probably have a lot of 
interesting insights to share that would be relevant to your audience. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll get uh, an introduction to Nathan from you and reach out to him to bring him on the show as well. Sounds great. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously today. Um, I've certainly learned a lot more about, um, you know, it's interesting to me how the doing advertising well, and this probably applies to offline as well as online, is actually very paralleled with the whole marketing journey that, that we teach. Um, we don't do advertising as such, but the whole marketing journey of understanding who the dream clients are, where they hang out, uh, what their values are, what their needs and aspirations are, and then serving them up information that will help them in some way and then taking them on a journey that may ultimately lead to a sale. So thanks for kind of putting it in those terms and, and also touching on a lot of the technicalities in the back end in a way that we understand this is pretty complicated, this online advertising game so it's probably a good idea to get some experts involved and you've certainly um, highlighted you know what we should be looking for in in any expert agency that we we consider engaging as well so thanks thanks for all of that uh, all the best for the future let's stay in touch sounds great thank you so much Peter. I hope you enjoyed that really engaging and insightful conversation with John and took something away from his episode, something that you can turn into action. One of the big takeaways for me was the importance of getting people into your environment, like your website, your email list, from the advertising and ensuring that the subsequent touch points after the advertisement is consistent with that first impression. I'd love to know what you took away from John's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash John Horn. That is J-O-H-N-H-O-R-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash John Horn. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with John, as well as links to the Stub Group website, to John's social media pages and to the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode, please share it with two other people that it might help. Tag me in on that share and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise. John suggested that we have a conversation with Nathan Barnes of Greenlight Marketers on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Nathan, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of John Horn. I'd love you to leave a review on this podcast episode because it will help us get to know you better and understand why you listen. And it'll help us make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including ISO accreditation expert Mel Blackmore and strategic storytelling coach and the author of The Sea We Swim In, 
and the art of immersion, Frank Rose. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.